Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week. We're ready to run down the top news from this past week in Indiana and U.S. agriculture. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. And I'm C.J. Miller. Andy Eubank joins us in just a few to review grain market activity this week with analyst Brian Basting. And we'll have your Indiana farm forecast with Chief Meteorologist Brian Martin. In the news, Indiana farmers have been in D.C. this week to discuss farm bill priorities with legislators and how new technology can help you spot tar spot from your phone. And I'll bring you the story of a 97-year-old Shelby County farmer who just received a Lifetime Achievement Award. CJ, let's begin with the big news, the top story in Indiana agriculture from this week, a new leader for the State Department of Agriculture. Lebanon farmer Don Lamb will take the reins of the department here soon. You had a chance to chat with him earlier this week, and it sounds like he's pretty excited to get started. Well, he's already hit the ground running. Even though his first official day isn't until March 13th, Lamb made his first appearance as the new director on Wednesday, the same day it was announced that he was hired. I met with Lamb for an exclusive in-person interview at the Shelby County Ag Promotion Banquet in Shelbyville. I love farming, and I still do. I don't have any desire to leave the farm for any reason, so I had to have a good reason to help me want to do that. Lamb says the opportunity to help lead Indiana's Ag Department was something that he had to think about at first. You know, honestly, it started with a phone call. I uh, received a phone call, said, would you want to consider doing this? And, uh, you know, as a farmer, I think my first response, in my mind at least, was, well, I couldn't do that. But the more we thought about it, prayed about it, talked about it with our family, we decided that it was something we could do. And uh, the more we uh, went through the process, things seem to fall in place. And, and I think I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. Lamb says he's been working with the ISDA team to catch up on state and federal legislation that impacts Indiana's ag industry. One item that ISDA has been pushing for this legislative session is additional state funding for the Indiana Grain Buyers and Warehouse Licensing Agency. I mean, it makes sense. It's a great program. It's it, it's what provides security to our farmers. It's kind of like the FDIC in a, at a bank. It's what gives you security to know that your your grain is safe where it's at. It's really important. And yes, it does take funding. And, and when you think about it in terms of what's happened with inflation and commodity prices, it makes sense that it's going to take more funding to keep doing what we're doing. Lamb says he's also excited about helping to grow Indiana's international ag exports and advocating for Indiana's ag tech industry. We're eighth in the nation as far as exports. So for a state that's 38th in size to be eighth in the nation for ag exports is really, really strong. And so these are exciting times to be involved in agriculture and Indiana has positioned itself so well with biotechnology that we're really on the, the leading edge of that. Lamb admits that leading a full team at ISDA and representing Indiana's ag industry is certainly a lot different than working with his family back on the farm. For me personally, this is a major shift in my lifestyle. <laughs> so the challenge is going to be for me to adjust a little bit from the farm to the city, but I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited about it, and I really want to be somebody who people can reach out to and somebody who um, really takes this role seriously just as an advocate for agriculture. Read more about Don Lamb, the new director of the Indiana State Department of Agriculture at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm C.J. Miller. All right, C.J., thanks. Lamb's not the only one excited about his new gig. We heard from many people inside the Indiana agriculture industry very excited with the governor's selection of Lamb as the new ISDA director and maybe no one happier 
than this guy. We are excited about Don Lamb being the director of agriculture. And that's Indiana Farm Bureau President Randy Crone. He's a farmer. He understands agriculture. I think he understands the breadth of agriculture and what it means to this great state. And when when I think about him, the experience that he's had, you know, he's well-rounded, served on county council in Boone County and a lot of different leadership roles that he served in. So we're excited to have him sitting at the table, making sure agriculture's viewpoints are heard from a real farmer. Lamb is a member of the Advisory Council for the Indiana Agricultural Law Foundation. He will be stepping down as vice president of the Boone County Council and policy chair of the Boone County Farm Bureau Board to assume his position with ISDA. Crone says Lamb has held a number of leadership positions within Indiana Farm Bureau over the years. It's great to see somebody that's gone through different leadership courses or training and then arrive at a position like the director. And, you know, I like I said earlier, he is well qualified. And, you know, just having a farmer there, making sure farmers across the state have their viewpoint presented or talked about around the table it's going to be critical. And, you know, I, I am confident. I'm excited about it, and I know he's going to do a great job for agriculture. Lamb takes over the role that was previously held by Bruce Kettler, who left ISDA to become president and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana in January. Supply chain issues, that's all we really heard about in 2021, 2022, but unfortunately, they're still around. One of the main metrics for railway service quality is unfilled grain car orders, the number of cars a shipper ordered but didn't receive. Danny Munch is an American Farm Bureau Federation economist, and he says the data shows shippers are waiting a long time to get the grain cars they need. So far in 2023, average weekly unfilled grain car orders, one or more days overdue, have numbered over 16,000 a week. That's up 54% from last quarter and 54% the same magnitude from quarter one of last year. Of those record unfilled orders, one or more days overdue, almost 75% remain 11 or more days overdue. And labor remains a major hurdle for railways. Most railroads are still below pre-pandemic employment levels by about 3 to 5% which makes it difficult for them to increase capacity. Luckily, though, those numbers are still getting better, still better than the 10% below that they were about a year ago. And in order to improve service quality, they really need to be fully staffed and growing. Severe winter weather in the upper Midwest, also a big challenge currently. In Munch's report that can be found on the Market Intel page at fb.org, there is some good news. He suggests that overall supply chain pressures are easing, sending a positive signal to farmers revving up for a new marketing year. Let's turn our attention now to the markets here on Hoosier Ag this week and welcome in our Andy Eubank. All right. Thank you, Eric. We had a very strong close to the week, a number of days in a row of solid moves for the soybean market, a couple in a row for the corn market. And during Friday trade, I checked in for some analysis with Brian Basting at Advanced Trading. From the beginning of the week to the middle of the week, it looked like essentially a change in fortunes for the soybean market. Brian explained why. Yeah, I think there's a growing uh, consensus uh, that the Argentina crop is even substantially lower than than, um, than what uh, USDA said uh, as recently as, uh, as February. Uh, it was down to 41 million. There are some estimates creeping closer to 30 now. Now, uh, with this continued hot, dry weather that we're seeing in Argentina, you know, this is a crop that's still uh, in, a, in a formation of, of yield. We don't want to write off this crop yet. However, the near-term forecast continues to be mostly warm 
and mostly dry for the key growing areas. So the market's building that in here quite a bit, back above $15 now in, in May futures and looking at some uh, meal futures approaching $500 again. So that's the driving force. The other side of that coin, though, I'd remind your listeners, Andy, is that really starting to turn out those Brazilian bean exports here as we get into March. A seasonal uptick is going to be seen in the next 60 days here, all the way through the 1st of May, perhaps stretching into the 1st of June this year with, with the record crop they're harvesting. So uh, we've got some other countering factors, but in terms of the strength that we saw uh, here at the, the, at the end of the, the week, no doubt Argentina is leading the way here. Friday markets, the dollar is down, the equities are strong. And most commodities are working higher. Fear index on Wall Street seemed to slip a little bit, a positive note, and then money flowed. Is that also impacting the ag markets? Perhaps a bit. Uh, I think anytime you get into the first of the month here, too, you might see some, some repositioning, for lack of a better word. Economist Brian Basting from Advanced Trading, and Brian's number is 309-664-2314. Friday settlements and ice close in the corn market, May 639 and three quarters, up six cents. Four cents higher, July contract 628. Beans led all the way on Friday, as they did Thursday and Wednesday. May beans ending nine and a half cents up at 15, 18 and three quarters. July 1506, a gain of eight cents, a loss of four cents on the May wheat at 708 and three quarters. The meat's up all day. April live cattle, 165.42, a dollar 32 higher. April lean hogs, 84.55, up 70 cents. And you're up to date now with the markets and our Friday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank. This is Hoosier Ag This Week. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group are your local farmland specialists. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. Colder air diving in over the Hoosier State for the weekend. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast Weekend Edition. Now, after all of the moisture that came through the state yesterday, honestly, the weekend looks pretty good by comparison because we have no precipitation coming, and some of us are very, very pleased about that. Now, as we move forward, though, the question remains, when do we see our next round of moisture, and can we see any kind of dry down between now and then? Let's start with the weekend. We're partly sunny today. Clouds giving way to sun is probably the best way to talk about it, but seeing some sunshine today, and we keep sunshine around tomorrow. It is chilly for sure, but I guess all things considered, for early March, it's not brutally cold at this point. Temperatures fairly close to normal. We may have a little bit of cloud cover trying to move across northern Indiana overnight tonight into tomorrow morning, but the rest of tomorrow turns out partly sunny as well. Temperatures start to moderate tomorrow night. There is a disturbance that once to track across Michigan as we move into Monday. But right now, the bulk of the precipitation does want to stay in Michigan. Cloud cover probably gets down over the northern third of Indiana. Central and southern Indiana turn out partly sunny on Monday. I'm going to call the northern third mostly cloudy. At this point, I won't rule out. A few spits, sprinkles, rain showers, anywhere from a few hundreds to a tenth or two, but 
the trend of this system is to be moving farther north. So I'll say that most of us probably get through Monday without a lot of major precipitation issues. Behind that little system, we do cool down then as we go into Tuesday, a mix of clouds and sunshine, temperatures not quite as mild. Then Wednesday, Thursday, we are cool with high pressure sitting up right on top of us. That takes us to the end of the week. On Friday, we've got another strong area of low pressure that wants to come through the east. Early indications are that the low stays well south, and if that happens, we might be talking about some snow accumulation potential again on Friday during the midday and afternoon. However, the trend of these systems has been to start far south and then the low getting a track farther north. If that turns out to be the case on this one, we could be looking at another rain or snow event into Friday, but either way, right now there is some moisture around. That moisture does try and hold over the region through the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Not a lot of additional precipitation, but still a lot of clouds at least through Saturday and Sunday, the 11th and 12th. That moisture finally gets out as we head into Monday the 13th. There's colder air that he is here to start that week, and it's going to be leaving probably by midweek, the week of the 13th. So that's the way things are stacking up. Have a great weekend and keep the jacket handy. I'm Ryan Martin. At an Indiana dairy farm, long work days stretch into more labor after sunset. A newborn calf needs watching. Barn needs cleaning. Tractor needs some handiwork for tomorrow's tasks. Just like in your own home, the day's chores are never done until the family beds down for the night. Dairy farmers and their families share the same dream with all of us, that what we all do is worthwhile. Bringing to market pure, safe, and healthy dairy foods is what they do, from Indiana's dairy families to ours every single day. Learn more at winnersdrinkmilk.com. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm radio network. We thank you for that. We like to bring you the top news in Indiana and U.S. agriculture. And this past week, American Soybean Association directors from Indiana made their way to Washington, D.C. to meet with legislators regarding the farm bill. One of those was Shelbyville farmer Phil Ramsey. He says they've been meeting all week with the Indiana congressional delegation to discuss American Soybean Association Farm Bill priorities. We talked a lot about the farm safety net for soybeans, which PLC and ARC mean to raise the target price and update our base acres. We had a lot of discussion there trying to explain exactly what that was within the Farm Bill. Other priorities include protecting crop insurance, accessibility of conservation programs, and maintaining the voluntary incentive-based approach. Also building opportunities for biofuels and bio-based products and growing investments in the promotion of U.S. commodities globally. Of course, China's been taking a third of our soybeans and we have kind of a rocky relationship now and we need to keep developing new markets uh, around the world. The existing farm bill is set to expire at the end of September. Ramsey says there's optimism out in D.C. that it could actually be done in a timely manner. Or at least their goal is that it will be done before the end of the year. Might not be September, but they think it would be by the calendar year. Speaker uh, McCarthy has expressed that he wants a farm bill signed this year. Steve Howell, Senior Director of Industry Affairs for the Indiana Soybean Alliance, is in D.C. with Ramsey. He says getting the farm bill done on time would 
would be great, but... Our priority, of course, is going to be good policy for soybean farmers. That's why farmers need to join the Indiana Soybean Alliance as a dues-paying member. That's how this work gets done. That's how their voice is heard in Washington and in Indianapolis. But we've got to carry that member voice out here that we need good policy. We do want it done on time, but we have to have good policy in the Farm Bill. Other issues outside of the Farm Bill were also discussed. Be sure to tune in to next weekend's show to hear more from Ramsey. It's all about making the grain, livestock, and ag products that Indiana farmers produce more valuable. That's why Indiana's trade representatives are racking up the frequent flyer miles to open new markets for Indiana's ag products. C.J. Miller has the story. So it may feel like we're stretching further away from our roots, but really what we're doing is bringing Indiana to the world. And that's Drew Sherman, International Trade Director with the Indiana State Department of Agriculture. Indiana exports a lot of ag products to Canada, Mexico, Japan, and China, which have been Indiana's top four international markets over the past several years. Sherman says the goal is to not only maintain those trade relationships, but to grow new ones with other countries. So the top four markets for Indiana account for about 63% of the total commodity trade that comes out of Indiana. So we are looking to diversify to identify some of those other markets that will really be great buyers of products that we grow, produce, manufacture, process here. One of those emerging markets is the United Kingdom, which was the seventh largest market for Indiana's ag products in 2021. In May of 2022, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb signed a unique trade agreement with the UK. So Indiana was the first state to agree with a state-level memorandum of understanding with the United Kingdom. What's really exciting about this is that agriculture is listed as one of the priority sectors in this agreement. So we're able to focus on opportunities for economic cooperation and trade with a, a really great trading partner for Indiana and for the United States. Uh, so we see a lot of promise coming out of that agreement. Sherman says he and his team will be hitting the road this year to expand Indiana's trade opportunities. So 95% of consumers around the world live outside of the United States and about 70% of the world's purchasing power does not live within our borders. So when we're looking at opportunities to grow your businesses in Indiana, it really can help by being able to find those partners, those buyers outside of our state, outside of the United States. Sherman adds that having those opportunities to sell Indiana's ag products to the rest of the world is a win-win for Indiana's farmers. When we are able to grow demand for the products that are made using ingredients grown here in Indiana, it really helps everyone out. So we enjoy being able to help the entire ag value chain in Indiana, and we get to see some of those benefits really help everyone along that path. Since 2017, the total number of Indiana's ag exports have increased by nearly 16%. I'm C.J. Miller. All right, C.J., thanks. Is it time for soil tests on your farm? If so, consider having an expert help interpret the results so you can fine-tune your fertility program this year. Andy Eubank has details. Reed Abbott, an agronomist with AgroLiquid, says the need for expert input became clear with the many issues last year. One of the things I think guys learned is they needed to turn to an expert to take a look at their soil tests, take a look at you know what products have the best, most uh, reliable research 
across a, a broad spectrum of different situations and, and geographies and, and be able to make that balanced uh, fertility recommendation for their crop and, and get the most return on investment. Abbott says a soil test is the best baseline you give yourself for an individual field and the whole farm. I like to take mine either in the fall or early spring. I, I recommend guys just stay consistent, whatever works best for them you know, take a fall soil test, try to get that, uh, that baseline, understand, you know, what our nutrient balance needs to be. I mean, I feel like we're, we do a very good job of reading that soil test, understanding where a guy needs to spend his next dollar so he can get a maximum return on investment on that dollar. He adds it appears some of last year's challenges could be present again this year. So might it be time to look at the liquid fertilizer options at his company? We understand that guys aren't necessarily experts at soil fertility or, or different fertilizer programs, but we here at AgriLiquid, we do feel like we have a, a good knowledge base. We understand how our products work, how other products work, how that whole soil system works, uh, you know, based on that soil test. And so I feel like, uh, again, having guys utilize our expertise to, to bring them that knowledge onto their operation is going to be key. The agro-liquid supply for 23 should be good. We've maintained a very good supply, uh, and I, I think that we will continue to, to maintain a very good supply going through the 2023 year. I mean, there's obviously challenges, and we, we encourage all of our guys to be taking a look at those markets, but I think we've positioned ourselves well. More at their website, and we have a link at hoosieragtoday.com. I'm Andy Eubank. And I'm Eric Pfeiffer. While you're there at HoosierAgToday.com, be sure to check out all the other farm news as well, like crop performance company Maristem opening a new warehouse in Westfield, Indiana. Again, it's HoosierAgToday.com. This is Hoosier Ag This Week. A new year and another crop. It's time to get more bushels for less. It's time to fight back with Maristem crop performance and spring-applied excavator. Excavator, powered by Microbolize, breaks residue down fast, unleashing big nutrients for your next crop. Research shows yield increases of four to nine bushels per acre, depending on your operation. Fight back with the right tools, like Excavator from Maristem Crop Performance. Find your local dealer at maristemag.com. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm CJ Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. Well, if you're an Indiana farmer, you know how tar spot fungus can lower your corn yields. That's why there are now a couple of different software apps that you can download to help you identify tar spot this growing season before it becomes a problem. We're trying to, you know, put that crystal ball in folks' hands with some app tools that we've developed and trying to just get ahead of things. And that's Dr. Damon Smith, professor of plant pathology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He says there are two software apps that you can download to your phone or computer to help you this growing season. The first one's a freely available app. It's called Tar Spotter. It's available on both the Android and iPhone platforms, so you can just go to the app stores for those platforms and download or search for Tar spotter. That's a really nice tool because you can pull down cloud-based weather data. All the data stays on your phone, so you own your data. You don't share it with anybody. The phone does all the work for you and gives you a daily risk index, so you can use that just to make some decisions. He says there's a second app that's also available. We also have a spin-off company from the University of Wisconsin Field Profit, so we've actually added to that tool, so we actually have trend lines and we have actual true forecasts in that particular tool. 
tool. So that's a nice one. If you want to really look ahead and plan ahead, feel free to download that field profit tool for the iPhone platform. There is a fee to download and use the field profit app. Dr. Smith adds that both apps can certainly help during the growing season. But he also recommends getting ahead of tar spot by using fungicides and the right corn hybrids with the highest level of tar spot tolerance. First and foremost, don't forget about tar spot. You know, 2022 was a low tar spot year. And, you know, when that happens, we tend to forget. And then I think looking at hybrid resistance, I know a lot of the seed probably has been bought by now. But if you're still trying to make those decisions, work with your seed dealer and try to find the most resistant hybrids you can find that also fit your farm. For more information and to find the links to download the Tar Spotter and Field Profit apps, visit HoosierAgToday.com. Well, the women who help lead Indiana's ag industry recently met up for a conference at the Terre Haute Convention Center. Hoosier Ag Today's Elise Koning was there and shares more from the event. The Midwest Women in Agriculture Conference was rebranded this year as the Ag Women Engage or AWE Conference. Elisha Rogers, the AWE Conference chair, says the name change reflects the opportunity for women from across the region to re-engage with each other. And so the thought is each year kind of moving forward to kind of change that E depending on kind of what we want the theme of the conference to be. So Ag Women Enliven, Ag Women Enlighten. That's why we have the abbreviation the awe conference so we come away awed and amazed at what we can learn and what we can do. Conference participant Sara Spinoza says helping others feel supported was one topic that resonated with her. I was born and raised a dairy rancher. I know how hard it is for farmers to find that support or feel understood or just simply not alone. The talks I've been through today have mostly been about mental health so it's very good that we're shining a spotlight onto that and just making that conversation easier for everybody. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Elise Koning. Well, a lot of things have changed for Indiana farmers over the past 100 years. One farmer who has witnessed those changes is 97-year-old George Braden of Shelby County. He was recently honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award during the Shelby County Ag Promotion Banquet in Shelbyville. I think the good Lord has taken care of me. And that was George after receiving that honor. He says he started working as a young boy on his family farm near Waldron during the Great Depression. When I started farming, I helped my father and uncle. We planted with horses, then a little later started with the tractor. When about 15 or 16 years old, I was driving the tractor a planting. I don't know how we got along at all, how we done it. But we did do it. George says farming has come a long way since he first started. I had a four-row planter, and then I had a six-row planter, and that's as big as I got then. Of course, I never did farm very big. What I farmed was two or three hundred acres, so uh, it, it really has changed. He also says he never could have imagined getting paid the prices that farmers are getting paid today for corn, soybeans, and wheat. It was under a dollar on corn, and if we got four or five dollars for beans, we was fortunate, I think. Even though George says he's honored to have received the Lifetime Achievement Award, he says he wouldn't have been able to farm for all those years without the help of his late wife, Ruth, who passed away nearly six years ago. Well, she did about everything. We milked, and she drove the tractor. I wish she'd have been here to help celebrate. I'm so she's celebrating up there. She died in 17. We were we'd been married 73 years. 
And like I say, she did everything. We did everything together. George will celebrate his 98th birthday in October. You can hear more of my interview and see photos of George Braden receiving his Lifetime Achievement Award at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. For Andy Eubank, Eric Pfeiffer, Elise Koning, and Hoosier Ag Today Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm radio network.